Good evening. My name is Owen. I'm the minister of Park End Presbyterian Church in Cardiff. And let's talk about Afghanistan. It is September 2021, and I'm going to be referring to the Taliban. For those that don't know, the Taliban means students. The Taliban basically emerged in the early 1990s um, in northern Pakistan, following the withdrawal of Soviet troops from Afghanistan. It's believed that the movement started in religious seminaries and was funded by Saudi Arabia. The Taliban hold to and preach a hardline form of Sunni Islam. And in the area of Pashtun, connecting Pakistan and Afghanistan, the Taliban moved out and their aim was to restore peace and security and enforce their own austere vision of Sharia or Islamic law. Now, as of August 2021, the Taliban have re-established their rule over Afghanistan following the withdrawal of US troops and their NATO partners. They are often at war with another group of Islamic State terrorists, ISIS or ISK, who seek a more global caliphate and have a much bigger vision than Afghanistan. Now, there is a minority making a rather superficial case that the Taliban aren't Islamic. But the reason that the case is superficial and they are in an incredible minority is that it is clear that the Taliban and ISIS are very careful to follow the teachings of the Quran and the example and life of Muhammad. There are more secularized Muslims in countries in the West, but the more secularized version of Islam practiced by some in Western countries is of course seen as a degradation of the Islamic religion by countries such as Afghanistan and Pakistan. Wherever Islam has a majority, the moderates are shouted down and do not get a foot in the door. There are two authors and a few books going around at the moment which is trying to make the case that an accurate practice of Islam is not necessarily what you are seeing at the moment in Afghanistan by the Taliban, but it is indeed what we see in the West, this more watered-down version. The authors pushing this are Mona Siddiqui and Ed Hussein, but for all their promoting of the few verses in the Quran which is about peace and giving alms and pilgrimage... Both authors failed to address the overwhelming amount of verses to the contrary. Ed Hussein's book, The House of Islam, is quite a warped reading of the history of Islam, lacking, of course, in footnotes. And at the time of this recording, according to Statista.com, the Taliban have re-established their rule over Afghanistan, the U.S., has ended its almost 20-year mission in the country, which began as a result of the attacks on September 11, 2001. Bin Laden, of course, was sheltered by the Taliban in Afghanistan, which led to the US invasion and subsequent occupation of the country. The US and its NATO partners then sought to stabilize the country and help establish a stable democracy. However, 
it can be argued that neither political nor economic stability has been reached in the past 20 years. According to the 2021 Fragile States Index, Afghanistan is one of the world's most unstable countries. It bears the highest terrorism risk worldwide, according to the Global Terrorism Index of 2020. The current score on the Human Development Index is 0.51, which means that Afghanistan is characterized as a country of low development, ranking 169th out of 189 countries. And sadly, as we're seeing so much evidence of in the news at the moment, there is a strong contrast of the Human Development Index between Afghani men and women, with the men scoring significantly higher. Afghanistan is the largest opium producer in the world, the trade of which was the leading financing tool of the Taliban. Quoting Statista again, the withdrawal of the US troops was negotiated between the Trump administration and the Taliban in February 2020. The Afghan government was excluded from these talks. In return for the complete departure of their troops, the US agreed to free 5,000 imprisoned men of the Taliban. The Biden administration extended the deadline of their complete exit from May 13th, 2021 to September 11th, 2021. The swift and resistance-free takeover of Taliban rule over Afghanistan took many in the country and abroad by surprise. During the United States mission in Afghanistan, an emphasis in re-establishing a democratic rule was made on a centralised government disregarding the culture, ethnic or tribal structures of the country. Many tribal leaders and municipal representatives felt disenfranchised by the central government and were, therefore, able to be persuaded by the Taliban and hand over their district. So let's talk, think reflect and pray. And the following thoughts on this subject are a mix of thoughts of myself, but also from those in forums that I've been reading and have been a part of or just observing. So what has gone wrong on a deeper level? Well, if I may cut straight to the heart, the West has made very many mistakes. And of course, as Christians, we know that a large amount of society's disasters or cultural meltdowns or oppression begins when there's been a rot in the Christian church. When the Christian church doesn't flourish and prosper in a country, disaster follows. There has been a rot in the Christian church in the West for a long time, and we need to check ourselves and repent. If you look at medieval Christianity, it was a time of kingdoms and art and glory and flourishing. There were rulers of countries striving to uphold the Lord's Prayer and the edict of thy kingdom come and thy Lord will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Countries have flourished in every department when its citizens are seeking to bring the kingdom of God on earth and reflect here what it is like up there. But the Western Church, especially in the last 200 years, has been preaching a somewhat malnourished version of what our fathers taught. 
a malnourished version of the Jesus of the Bible. The Jesus of the Bible of the last 200 years, though there are exceptions here, has been presented from the pulpits and the colleges and the books and the songs as either a get-out-of-hell-free card, with many sermons reducing the magnificence and cosmic grandeur of the Lord Jesus Christ to a mere repetitive mantra at the end of a 45-minute dull sermon of, and Jesus died on the cross for our sins, amen. Or, the Lord Jesus of the Bible has been reduced to someone who gets brought in to support tiny community projects conducted by the church as we rebuild a broken school wall which fell down. Both these versions of Jesus which have trickled out into the society and culture of the West has served to show a shriveled church. Church for many has become the place where Christians come for an hour to acknowledge God and then abandon him for the rest of the week. The Jesus of John chapter 10 verse 10, the thief comes to steal and kill and destroy, but I have come that they may have life and have it to the full, has on the whole not been known by Western churches for a very long time. And the cosmic Christ of Exodus and Ephesians and Colossians, who holds everything together, every aspect of our lives, the world and the universe, which is to permeate our education, politics, hobbies, family life, ethics and day-to-day -day decisions, has not been experienced by the Western Church for a very long time. And our average church decor of drabness which lacks in life and art and expression and the lack of children in our churches show we've reduced the physicality and the enormity of how far Jesus can stretch into every aspect of our country to a Gnostic, ethereal, separate, compartmentalized religion which is malnourished compared to what it could be. And so from that departure, from the cosmic Jesus and his word, has arisen many ills, chiefly among which is that generations start to pop up who are lacking in life and Christ. And they undertake and practice Christless ideologies, educational regimes, and military tactics, and seek to better the world without the one person who can better the world, the Lord Jesus Christ. One article online correctly noted the following. When people walk in the light with Jesus, they learn to be truly free, free from the enslaving passions that degrade us, free from the obsessions that humiliate us, free from the addictions that rob us of time, energy, money, and life itself, and the huge achievement of the past 500 years of Western history is to erase nearly every memory of this divine authority and replace it instead with the freedom, quote-unquote, to do and be whatever each one of us chooses, whatever our passions decree, whatever our obsessions demand, whatever our addictions crave. But, as we're finding, when we occupy 
other places. Much of the world does not want that vision of freedom. In fact, they fear it and see it as a terrible, blasphemous oppression. If Christless Westerners intervene in people's affairs, what can we offer? We seem to prove this point time and time again. We do not have a heart-changing, human-blossoming ideology as Westerners anymore. And you cannot militarize or occupy a cold heart into new life. And that is especially true in the case of religious countries where many of their people believe in clear-cut principles. That is an amazingly powerful thing. There are articles you can read about the power of a cause or a creed or a holistic vision. And my friend argues the following. People have found in this instance that when faced with a radical ideology that adherents will fight and die for, the new Western order cannot win hearts and minds to its way. A friend of mine asked some pertinent questions. Perhaps we enjoy the modern Western world. Maybe we're comfortable in it. But do any of us truly believe in it? What is there to truly believe in? Indeed, in the West, we have comfort, security, but we have a rot. Allow me to quote another article and use some graphic imagery. In the West, along with our comforts, we also have the industrial slaughter of babies, the worship of greed and materialism, the commercialization of human bodies for lust and pleasure. We teach that storing treasures on earth is a virtue rather than a vice. We have the reduction of education to civic propaganda and preparation for career. We have the corrosion of morality and virtue for the sake of efficiency and profitability. Children are brainwashed to believe that their greatest dreams should be nothing more than career, fame and money. All of these rotten features would be unthinkable in the golden ages of Christian civilizations that have existed before. Indeed, the wholesale rejection of the Western ideology by the Taliban has not come as a surprise to some of us. And look, the West, and sometimes as it occupies places, does bring things we are thankful for, and we mourn the coming oppression since its departure. One person argues online that if the West was serious about stopping brutal human rights abuses in Afghanistan, it should have been prepared to rule Afghanistan as a colony for the next few centuries, otherwise we should have kept out in the first place. But this session, what we're reflecting on, is even if that occupation had continued for centuries, we have to ask, why is everything here and there so broken? Why are people so lost in the West, the East, the North and the South? And Western answers are not cutting it. And at these moments where that is obvious to see, we're to pause and reflect. We as Westerners are lacking life, lacking virtue, lacking God, and our practices are failing. And the churches must be called to account, because from the churches flow everything else. The flourishing 
of a human being depends on the state of the church and upon the presence and the knowledge of the author of all things good and beautiful, the Lord Jesus Christ. However, one author pertinently notes, where the modern Western worldview dominates, the Christian faith struggles or declines. Another notes, the transatlantic slave trade was created by the modern Western world and there is more slavery today than at any other time in history. The cultures of the West have been systematically hollowed out so that people are left deeply spiritually and mentally ill more than ever. And in our present state, we will find, though we may offer little bits of temporary relief for Afghanistan, and let's pray that that happens to people who are suffering, we will also find this. What we offer will largely be rejected because we offer a kind of godless, immoral, materialistic, sexually perverse ideology. And so as we seek to get our own house in order as a country, we remember Jesus, towards whom the crowds rushed. We look at the Taliban, from whom the crowds rush. Literature, music, all arts, women and children inevitably suffer when madmen rule. But the Lord Jesus Christ, when he is honoured in a society, in past civilizations in Africa, Europe and Asia and the Ethiopic Empire, he strengthens, he creates, he diversifies, he enables, people flourish, and any system which does not include him inevitably destroys, pulls down, decays and diminishes. Many of us long that the church would be Jesus-centred again. Why? Because people fall in love with people, not with doctrines or manifestos. May Christians lift up the Lord Jesus Christ, who makes sense of science and language and art and music and architecture and history and even our very bodies. And from there, May other countries and religions peer in and say, what is the hope of these Christians? Their Lord permeates and enriches every facet of their life, Sunday through to Sunday. What have the moral codes of the West brought about? What will the moral codes of Sharia bring about? Absolutely nothing toward killing off the lusts of men because dead works never produce spiritual life. One author writes, no amount of external religious codes will save us, no matter how much human fear and violence is used. May the churches rise up here and in Afghanistan. My friend writes, the basic foundations of Jesus are, love your enemy, serve with humility, turn the other cheek, Chastity triumphing over lust, love over violence, generosity over greed and truth over deception. And some of the great debates of church have been, should we all be pacifists? Should we really sell all that we have and give to the poor? Is it ever right to desire a man or a woman? Indeed, the zealous followers of Jesus almost compete to be less violent, less lustful, more humble, greater servants, to be the very least and more generous. What a wonderful basis for true civilization. 
The pinnacle of creation in the Bible is the woman created out of the wounded side of the man. Church born from the spear-pierced side of Jesus. The husband sacrificially dying to glorify and redeem his wife. And oh, how this cosmic Jesus, who holds sway over every facet of our lives, is now needed to be known and trusted by our Christian believers in Afghanistan. Pray for them. Open Doors recently noted that Afghanistan is now second behind North Korea in terms of persecution of Christians. The Taliban are going from door to door to kill Christians. And while some church members in this country leave a church because they don't like the colour of the wallpaper which was chosen, there are some now aligning themselves with church and the body of Christ as they stand at the end of a machete. Pray for them and pray for us. The Hill reports the Christian community is becoming increasingly difficult to track down in Afghanistan and the fears are growing that for many it's too late now and there's no way out. Afghanistan's Christians are estimated to number between 10,000 and 12,000. The vast majority of them are converts from Islam to Christianity and that is a crime punishable by death under Sharia. In a forum, one person writes, After speaking with several brothers this morning, I can confirm that Afghan followers of Jesus are being martyred in the streets. The women and girls are beginning to feel the oppression return from a radical form of Islam. I would argue it's an accurate form of Islam, not held back by Western law. And quote, all of this seems to be just the beginning of what is in the future for Afghanistan. Indeed, when the Taliban previously held power, the Christians in Afghanistan lived in constant fear of their lives, and it's happening again. The Spectator reports, they will kill the known Christians and want to spread fear. There are already posters appearing that if you have single girls 15 years old, you have to marry them to Taliban soldiers. They will be sent to madrasas to be brainwashed. The property and assets of Christians and all their women will be taken. And someone pertinently noted, Jesus has promised persecution for believers. It should be expected. This is difficult for us as Westerners to comprehend because for so long we have lived without any persecution for our faith. Those days are slowly changing for those in the West, but will likely never be to the scale we are seeing today for many believers in the East. We must pray for our persecuted brothers and sisters that they will remain strong in their faith. God is at work. Matthew 24, 6, you will hear of wars and rumours of wars. See that you are not alarmed. The rulers of this present age will persecute Christians in all kinds of ways. But Jesus is Lord, King over all kings, Lord over all lords. And he will raise up nations and pull them down as he sees fit. So, as we have thousands of refugees heading to our communities, may, and I quote, our local church family be a wonderful oasis of justice, love, truth, sanity, liberty, forgiveness, eternity, and help. And so we close. Governments will not bring lasting peace in the West, or in Afghanistan. Jesus can. May the Christians in Afghanistan show their oppressors Christ.
And may we, in the West, begin to take him seriously again. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.